1: And welcome back to the Metal Hand of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and you know that fine gentleman sitting over there uh, doing whatever he's doing. His name
2: is (laughs) the rum guy. Thank you for that long intro. You're welcome. I was running out
1: of breath. I was like, it's coming. And uh, today we have a very special guest, Mr. Justin Beam. How are you, sir?
0: Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it.
1: No problem, man. We are, you know, stoked to have you on. Why don't you uh, give a quick rundown to these people who don't know who you are,
0: uh, who you are and all that good stuff. I am I'm a film producer, primarily. I do a lot of production for different distributors like Shout Factory and Paramount and... Um, Vinegar Syndrome, music box films, a bunch of different places like that. So I, I produce the content on Blu-ray releases, and okay. so the documentaries, behind-the-scenes things, commentaries, stuff like that. I'm also a writer, and I, I've for many years for a lot of mostly horror film publications like Fangoria and Famous Monsters of Filmland and Delirium, Scream magazine out of the UK. So that's was really my entrance into the whole thing was when I started writing for those. And I've worn a bunch of other hats and <laughs> production and behind the scenes and stuff over the years as well. But I think right now really the main, the main thing that is uh, the production work and this lovely stream of titles that I've been lucky enough to be a part of from these good companies.
1: Yeah, man. I, I saw that on your uh, Instagram that you were doing uh idle hands you were doing something with idle hands, and uh, I just want to say that's one of my favorite movies. It's so weird that, that that movie popped up on my stream, and I'm going, "What? what is this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it just came out this week, actually, just this Tuesday it, it landed. And I got maybe, I think maybe five or six new interviews, and there, there's a new commentary with most of the cast on it. And really just packed it full of great extras. There's an artist that we had to New cover art. All the collectors edition releases through Scream Factory, and that's one of them. They have reversible cover art. And oh, that's cool. Slip sleeve over the top. Yeah, so you have the original art on the inside if you're if you like that more. But we like to give it a little bit of a, a new, little fresh flavor with new art as an option as well. Yeah, but, I, yeah, that I, was a fun one to work on.
1: I really dug the cover because I, I saw the the art you're talking about, and I was like, man, that's really that looks way better to me personally than the original
0: like artwork that was on it yeah that i think when it came out it was in the maybe the tail end at that point or maybe in the midst of the whole faces thing like yes. poster art went from being art like drewsters and these artists to just a bunch of heads of the cast members you know right. like halloween h20 final destination I know what you did last summer and all that stuff they all look kind of the same yeah. i think this was one of those
1: yeah but that movie was so much fun it was just, like, I didn't know what to expect when I first watched that film. And I was going, eh, this is going to be weird. You know, this, I don't know what the <laughs> hell this movie is about. Man, that was yeah. such a fun movie. It goes into my slot of, like, movies that I think personally are, like, underrated. It's, like, me, me and Rom were talking about it. Like, one of the movies uh, I think is underrated is is Galaxy Quest. And I also think... Um, what, did we, what did I say? It was yesterday that we were talking about evolution. It. Evolution was another one,
0: and mm-hmm. and then yeah.
1: I filed this one in there. It's like people look past it most, of, like that I know of. Like the horror guys were like, ah, I don't want to look at that. I was like, dude, you mm-hmm. got to watch it. It's awesome. It's so good.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of movies that are like that, and that, that I've been really lucky to work on some titles that I think fall into that category. That have they may have a fan base that's really passionate about it but it mm-hmm. might be smaller than you thought and maybe they have been in the hands of different distributors of their you know whatever studio made it never gave it the love that you feel it deserves right and that's that's where companies like shot factory vinegar syndrome and all these others come into play because licensing these movies that we love that they love and then giving them giving them the treatment that Has been so long overdue, and I agree. I think Idle Hands is definitely one of those because it it does the it it accomplishes the rare feat of being a great comedy and a great horror movie at
1: once. (laughs) Exactly. Man, I, I like. I, I will never forget the first time I saw that movie. Man, I really won't because it was such oh, just like eye-opening, just laughing my ass off, going, yeah. "Wow, this is insane!" But I love
2: it. Yeah, it, it was. It was a good cast, and it was. It, yeah, they were. You know, the cast that was in it, especially the year it came out, was so hot from other projects. Yeah. Uh, and they, it was just a great drop, and I had to go to the theaters to see it, and I was, I was like, "This is, this is great. This is the, the type of." You know, it was a, it was a throwback to the type of movies that were maybe uh, from um, you had those elements that were from when it came out that were like 20 years in its past. You know, it was yeah, like they were taking this, you know, the, you know the, the concept of the creepy hand and everything, right. and moving, around. you know, the whole thing. It was fun, you know, and it, it was great. But I was curious, uh, the, the creative process that, that happens when you get when you get a project, someone calls you, says, hey, I got this. You know I need you to to work on one of these things. How, how does that creative powwow happen for you? I mean, is there a is there a, a format that you'd go by or is it uh, how does that how does that come to be with you?
0: usually there are a couple different ways that it can happen. Most of the time, our, let's say Shout Factory will reach out to me and they'll say, "Hey, we just signed on for this film. Do you want it?" And I'll say, you know if I say yes, okay, and then I say, what's the budget? What's the due date?" Those are the two elements that I need for it right off the bat. And they give me that, and then they just let me go. And then from there, I I come up with whatever I want to include with it. So I make a dream list of who I'd like to participate, and I start researching each one of those people. And probably you know by participate, it's either going to be an on-camera interview or a commentary usually. Gotcha. Or if it's something that had great production value, by location or something, I may reach out to one of my friends, because I I have people who can do great work with location visits, for example, and cut really great retrospective piece, like featurettes, I guess you'd call it, where they go back to the cemetery from this movie and the main house, and then they intercut it with footage from the film. So it really, the, the process, because it's all me, at the beginning is... I'm just really making a a dream list of who and what I want to have involved, and then figuring out how accessible those people are, and starting to do the outreach to their management or to them directly. And I'll do things like, if it's someone that I know that I've that if maybe they were a lead in a film. Mm -hmm. that was directed by someone that I've interviewed before that I have a relationship with and I'm having a hard time getting through to this said actor, then I might reach out to that director and say, hey, I'm trying to reach blank. Are you still in touch with them? Because I've been having a hard time getting their management to respond or something. There's a lot of different roads that have to be explored to try to get through to people. But then then it comes down to scheduling crew and locations to shoot them. And if they're in another country, then... You know, there's oh, yeah. other considerations there. Like I did Silent Hill last year, oh, nice. and that had that had interviews all over the world on it. So you're really, it's like you're, it's kind of it's it's a little bit like a symphony where you, <laughs> where you have to have all these different sections. Of course, they come together to make one piece in the end. But there's just so many moving parts to it, which is the fun too. The challenge yeah. of creating, you know, deciding what the puzzle should be and then putting the pieces together. But Anyway, and then from there, it goes, it moves into editing once I have all the stuff in hand. And I've, I've uh, done some, some pretty unusual things over time, happy to dive in on, in terms of what elements I brought into some of these things to not make them just the same old discussions about how cold it was that day. You know what sure. I mean? Right, right, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so I, that's, that's kind of the beginning of it. That's how it all begins and then goes on from there.
2: That's a. It sounds like a very tedious but exciting process.
0: Right. it's man. You, just, you have to go through a lot of hoops to get things done. You, you do. Just, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> just the the creative. Just just to get like you said with the trying to reach people. That must at times get almost. Uh, I, I mean, it, it must get a little annoying at times. It's you're like you know you're trying. You've gone through this route, this route, this route, and then you've got yeah. to whittle them down just to. I mean that's that's something. I mean you always have to go through somebody else to get to somebody else. It's it's one of those things, and it's I could see where that could get really really difficult. And what is usually your time frame with this? Like say say with let's use Idle Hands we just talked about. Uh-huh. Uh, what was your what was your timeline? I mean do you have uh, do they say we need it's done by this certain time
0: or is it a just a thing? I mean yeah because would, the shop factory for example for one. I mean who I can really speak to, the most thoroughly too, mm-hmm. they have a, a huge roster of titles that are coming out every week. Cause the company has the scream factory shingle, which is all the horror stuff, which is primarily where I've done my stuff, work my work with them. But then they also have been doing kids movies for years and TV series and all, I mean, you name the genre, they do it. So there's always a lot coming out. So the release date is calculated and usually we don't have the option to budge much on it. So mm-hmm. they will say when they call me, they'll say, this is, this is the, my due date on stuff is blank. And gotcha. knowing that that's typically within a month of the street date, right? usually about okay. a month or two months before that. But the time that I have to work on things usually runs about four months or so, usually three well- or four months.
2: Okay. So that's at least you've got some time. I mean, yeah. that's, that's good. I, I thought was, I was thinking, gosh, I hope they don't give this guy. Like I need this done in three weeks tomorrow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's <laughs> so much work to get done in three weeks. It would be
0: insane.
2: You'd be I've had that.
0: I've had that. I, I've, I've <laughs> definitely, I mean, not from them, but I've, I've had companies come and go, something happened and we need to get blank blank. Or there was one company that contacted me and said, we just found out our lead actor who lives out of the country is in as in in Los Angeles this weekend and he said yeah he'll do an interview but only on Saturday afternoon (laughs) and this is like Friday that they're calling me and so (laughs) naturally I have to I mean geez I look like um, uh, just going it, it can be a little bit hectic in that kind of scenario but that's that's unusual but it does take time because you're also even after you bring people on board you are you I have my own calendar I have right you know, time and resources are finite. So then we have to line up and coordinate schedules with these people. But it's not the nice thing, too, is that you're usually not just doing one title at a time. So even though Idle Hands just came out at the time when I was shooting things for that, I was also working on maybe six or so other titles simultaneously. So you book, let's just say this, this might be a little bit in the weeds and boring for people, but I would book, a let's say, a location. And I will schedule a full day of interviews there. But I could be doing interviews for four or five titles all at once in one day. And that's not going to be all the interviews at once usually. But I can do it in chunks like that where I can maximize the space, the crew, the time. And, you know, really make it as efficient as I can because you're really asking a lot of these people to come in. Right. take, Take time out of what their lives and do stuff, make their way to a studio location and then spend time digging through their past with you which is an honor for me per my perspective i sure i'm really honored to have that time but you need to be respectful of that too and so there's math involved when it comes to time and scheduling <laughs> on top of all the rest of it for sure
1: <laughs> oh, <is> shit man <coughs> excuse me yeah it's gotta be some crazy stuff like uh, i just out of the curiosity like what what is have you had people say like dude but we can't do this right now. You know what I mean? Like you were like trying to get the interview and it's like they, they cut you short.
0: Uh, you mean like saying no to my request? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you like, Oh yeah, all oh, the time. Okay, all right, yeah. Yeah. And it's frustrating, especially when it's someone that you really, really want. And it I rarely get just straight up no's. That's not very common that where they're just like, no, not interested. Usually yeah. it comes down to, well, what's what's the last date that we could do this? because they're shooting a film in Rome right now. You know what I mean? Most people are open to doing this stuff because they understand that it feeds their legacy, too. It's not just about our release. The larger contribution is that it helps them share their stories and the making of things that they usually treasure. I've had people say no if it's a movie that they had bad experiences on. Or there was one film that I produced that or one disc that I produced that happened to, I guess it ended up being a non-union picture and the people in it were sort of doing it in the sly. And Mm. so almost nobody would speak to it because they couldn't, because if they got caught, then they lose, you know, then that becomes an issue with the, with the guild. Right. Gotcha. um, Yeah. So there are little things like that, but 99% of the time it comes down to scheduling issues. Or someone who doesn't understand what this world is about and is asking an exorbitant amount of money to appear. (laughs) I mean, I've had—I'm not kidding—I had an actor, and I'll just leave this open so it doesn't really pinpoint what it is. Within the last two years, I have had an actor demand forty thousand dollars for for a half an hour interview. Oh come on! So (laughs) it's
2: dead serious. (laughs) No way. So
0: So it can get pretty crazy in these conversations. And that's the point where you just got to, even though they may be crucial to whatever it is in your mind and you might have your heart set on, it, really hope they're going to say yes when they're that far off base with what this whole world is about. And you can't really massage that too much to bring them around. Uh, and no. you just got to have to let it, you just got to let it go.
2: I'd, I'd probably give it to them in foreign currency, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> pesos. Well, here, here you go. Pesos or or a Kronos from, from Croatia or something. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, (laughs) but Jesus, man, 40 Gs to
0: yeah, just to uh, talk for a half hour. Yeah, yeah, and and most people, uh, almost almost nobody asks anything to do it because they're they're like I said a minute ago, like they're happy to come in and they look forward to these conversations, and it's rare, especially because I like to go. I don't just want the leads from the movies. I and, and the director usually when you see these things historically, it's. Here are the three leads. Here's the director. Right. I love, I, I want to talk to the cinematographer. I want to talk to the production designer and the effects team. And who, I mean, it depends on what the release is, but you, you have to speak to the whole thing, not just the, the more top end elements right to the the movies. Movies. It,
2: it, it took everybody to do it and especially oh, yeah. like you said the effects team and, and the and the writers and everything else that were that, that played a part in this i mean that's that's where the uh, the love of the film came from truly i mean uh, the actors might be great but if it wasn't for the story and and how it how it grabbed you i mean it, you could have any actor in there in some of those movies and it wouldn't make a difference but if you have, right. a, have, have a great background and a great base it's going to really raise the film up
0: I had one of them that I did. Have have you guys seen the the remake of Willard starring Crispin Glover?
2: Uh, Yes, Yes. I have.
0: Love that movie. Yes. And and I was so excited. I'm just such a nerd for Crispin all my life and (laughs) was was really excited for this because I love that movie. And I think it's his strongest performance and he's really great. So it was a real honor to be a part of it. But when I was putting the thing together, making that list I mentioned in the beginning, I'm like, okay, Arlie Ermey has already passed away, so we can't have him. Crispin, I'll work on. I've done stuff with him in the past. But the real co-star of the film, I guess you could say co-stars, are the rats. Oh, yeah. So how do we So how do we speak to the rats? And so I tracked down the guys who were the animal trainers who That's so cool. handled the rats in the film. And it turns out, and I had no idea about this. This is an example of my d- discovery, which is a thrill for me, too, in all of this is I find these two guys who were the rat wranglers for the movie, you could call them. And I reach out to them and they're like, you want, you want us to do what? And I'm like, yeah, a commentary where we can talk for the running time of the film. We can talk about the different scenes and how you worked with the animals. And plus I look at their resumes and these two guys have been on basically every film involving animals in the last like 40 years of cinema. Wow, it's amazing. Wow. That's pretty And they've cool. never, never been, on a commentary never been on like a an interview on a disc and so they were these guys are legit unknown icons in the business and so it was it was adorable when they came into the studio they agreed to do it and they came in they're like so how is this going to work how do we watch the movie and talk at the same time aren't we going to get like i mean if how, how much do we pay attention to the screen? It was so funny, and I'm like, Well, the audio will be down low, you're not going to hear the movie, it'll be on, well, so we know what you know, we're kind referencing. Of, kind later. of legit questions for the guys that you know have no any... idea,
1: yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind absolutely, of...
0: I mean... absolutely. And 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 I, at the end of it, couldn't have had a greater experience and a richer conversation because what it became was wall to wall discussion. And we did touch on a number of films that they've been a part of, but they're and, and, and I'm an animal lover too, I'm a vegetarian, and I. I just uh, that side of film has always been one that I've been nervous to approach because, Mm -hmm. you know, for obvious reasons, like I don't know if you're kicking the dog to make it (laughs) to make it do noises. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But these guys proved me and my worries completely wrong. Not that I assumed all animal trainers are that way, but And, and and it was just a hilarious, warm incredibly insightful conversation that became one of my favorite commentary tracks. But then of course, when it comes out and they announce the special features, people are like, why are there, why are there a commentary with animal trainers on here? And I'm like, please just give it a chance. Just it's, I know it's not obvious, but please give it a chance because back to my point, they, there needed to be a voice for those animals in that film. Sure. And that was the only way that it was going to happen. So that's how I, that's how I, I think
2: that's that. that's genius that's, I that's too, man I think that's super
1: at. cool man like like you know I would have never thought like hey you know what we need to figure out some way to get the the rats on here you know I would have never I thought always that.
2: I always wondered with that movie too was was it just a couple rats that they multiplied digitally or was it truly a you know a lot more I mean there I'm were
0: sure. yeah there, there there were some CG rats that are in there in some of the larger scenes like where where he comes down in the elevator with his arms raised, yeah. and there's okay. rats just pouring out of the elevator. That was one scene. <clears throat> but for the most part, I think they told me they they had like 200 rats for that film. Oh my gosh! Wow! And they had really? for soccer. Yeah, and for so- And the stories are great. Oh, and they also, you guys got to get this disc. If I had extras, I would send you guys copies. But what? they they also gave me. They found some old VHS footage of them training the rats, like working with them. What? And, oh wow! Which is interesting because they said they almost never take time or have the time to film this stuff. But what they were doing with them was so interesting, making them crawl through a body cavity and nibble sure. through tires and stuff like that. And so I was able to include the, all that footage on the disc, too. So so you can see how they were working with them then. But, yeah, they're wrangling 200 rats Jeez. to run across the floor. And they only use CG sparingly in it. And I And there were several of the Socrates, the big one. Uh, Mm -hmm. several Socrates rats, (laughs) the the
1: ginormous rat. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. But but they're so smart. And Crispin told me, this is something Crispin had told me because years prior, I interviewed him for Fangoria a really long interview that ran over two issues. It was like, it ended up being like a 12 page piece. Wow. Wow. And yeah. And it was so crazy because he's pretty media reclusive. He doesn't trust a lot of media. Yeah. And so it took a while and I never expected to get to hear from him and then one night at like one in the morning i get a phone call and it's crispin wow
1: what what yeah, what a wild uh, phone call at one in the morning like you sleeping yeah. you pick up the phone hey man I was like who's this right oh right. you're shitting yeah. me right
0: you bullshit this is not, this is call, not call me
2: at 1 a.m you're gonna get a hell of a response <laughs> yeah
0: but you yeah oh, yeah exactly but but you know <laughs> instantly of course absolutely this is crispin glover he's like hello is this uh, it just sounds oh my god right. dude oh. and it was just crazy thing so he agreed to this interview and he had done all this background research on me that's why he agreed to do it he had gone and actually purchased back issues of fangoria but to read my stuff that's super cool and, uh, too. That to, which was crazy cool. yeah and so we did, we did this big interview but anyway the point of all that is to say he had told me about the rats in willard he said that they are out of all the films and tv that he's done they're his favorite co-stars wow which is wow. the most crisping glover thing you, you have to you be right yeah for sure <laughs> but also <laughs> such a great answer and then everyone else like hearing seeing these rat trainers i mean these guys talking speaking to their relationships with them they all knew the, the names of the rats and they had i mean just the love and the care that they were showing for him on set and and then the last crispin story i'll tell here is for to bookend willard here is that his dad, Bruce Glover, is an icon in in Hollywood. Bruce has right. been in everything. For, I mean, you back in the day, especially he was omnipresent in television and movies and legend. Well, and yeah. he and Crispin have been working on this film together now for like five years. And one of the things that I was going to do for the Willard disc that we couldn't end up making happen for another very Crispin Glover reason <laughs> is I was, I was going to have a documentary piece on him and his cinema and his art. Cause he also does books. He makes movies of his own. that wow. are very unique. He's a really fascinating, like thorough artist and lives his art you could say. And so I had been talking with Bruce Glover about being a part of it. And Bruce is like, Oh yeah, I, I'll give you whatever you want from photo albums and you, you know, we can shoot Amazing. the interviews at my my studio where I teach acting. But it became this thing with Bruce where he would Bruce would call me sometimes with ideas in the middle of the night for it. So it was the same thing as Crispin without even knowing it. Like three in the morning, my phone rings. <laughs> like and the first like time. Said. Yeah. The first time <laughs> it happens, my phone rings at like three fifteen in the morning. I'm like, what? the? And I, and I see Los Angeles and I'm figuring, oh, God, what happened? And I answer it and it's like. Justin, Bruce Glover, I hope you're a vampire like me and this won't bother you. Let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit. So of course I get up. And of course it's going to be a a 3 a.m. conversation with Bruce Glover where he's telling me stories from, he just starts rattling off tales from his movies from over the years and working with this actor and this actor. And oh, Crispin was a funny kid and a great artist. And I wish he would draw more. And it was so funny. I I wish it could have happened. But the reason (sighs) it couldn't, Is because Crispin was in like Czechoslovakia at the time buying land around his castle that he owns there. Of course he was. Why not? I mean, you know. And the and the and the real estate deal was taking longer than anticipated. This was December of like two years ago, and so he he would message me and be like, "Still stuck in Czech, and sorry, you know. Hopefully, I'm I'm trying to push to get there." And he was excited for it. He was ready, but it just couldn't come together. Ah, That sucks, man. But he is on an old commentary track that we ported forward, so he his voice is on the disc. That's cool. That's very cool. Wish I could have made that documentary.
1: Man, you know, I really wish he would do more stuff. Yeah. I mean I really do. I mean I really think he is he's again, another underrated person, you know, another rated actor that should be in more things in my personal opinion.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's not just his acting that's so uh, that I enjoy so much. Is is like you said, he has. There's so many levels. Him, his father as well. There's so many levels to his personality. Yeah, yeah. And and things that he does. That is, I mean, acting is just like one finger on two hands that, of the things that he does. And with, like you said, his art and everything else that he's involved in and his visions with uh, movies and things. That that he likes to do. I mean that that's the type of stuff I like to see because you know I like to see the creative side of people, you know more than just what's at face value, what they're what they're showing you. Because anybody who is creative that has a vision that wants to do something, there's multiple facets facets to it.
1: Oh yeah, sure. And
2: And to be able to see to see a broader spectrum of that talent is. Is exactly I think uh, for, for uh, at least people like me. I'm sure you and and but t- to see that explode in different ways is is just fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. And he he you know he had that album out years ago with yes. clowny clown clown and all that stuff. So he really has done a lot. But it he seems content with with what he creates and the amount of output that he has. He's done some interesting things over time. The projects that he's chosen have been really fascinating. If you ever, if you look up his early short film work Mm -hmm. from when he was a teenager, essentially, there's some really great stuff in his early short film work. And then on through, I think most recently he was in, oh man, what was the show? I think he plays Mr. Universe in it. Um. Oh shoot it's, it's the, the name's escaping me but it was a it was a big show maybe for showtime or something like that hmm. most okay. recently uh but yeah he was on a big show and then in between he'll make a a random appearance in like charlie's angels or as the knave of hearts for tim burton in now, what, alice what if in Wonder that's Wonderland. the castle he bought
2: <laughs> yeah i don't know I,
0: I, he bought this castle to shoot in and it's it's same thing in his like his yard he as he builds sound stages out back of his place in California, whenever he needs a new set, he'll just so. hire a construction company and have him come out and start adding to it. So endlessly <laughs> fascinating guy. And I, I have heard, though, that there is a documentary being made about him by somebody. I don't know who it is or what it's for, but I've heard that somebody's been working, mm-hmm. shooting him for the last year or so for some sort of documentary. So I can't wait to see that. That
1: would be interesting. Uh, was but, was it um, something? Gods, wasn't it the show? American Gods. There you go. American Gods. That's what it was. I was like, I know. That's it. the one. Yeah. I can't, it was on the tip of my tongue, but I couldn't remember what the hell it was. Yeah, uh, same here. Something with gods. Speaking, yeah. I knew it.
2: Speaking of fascinating people, let's get back to you because you've you've been doing, you've you've had a heck of a career as of you know so far to date. I mean, uh, you're your writing. I mean, how. Let, let's let's you have acted the, the as ripple well effect let's do this let's do the scooby-doo thing but let's go back back
0: way <laughs> back <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, like wayne's to world and a, shit
2: to a, a young justin who is like did you just get a i i'm assuming <laughs> you've always been a writer at, one, uh, at some point in your life were you one of those kids that just wrote had books and notebooks of, of writing and, and ideas all the time
0: i i think so yeah i like I really enjoyed writing and I attribute that to some good teachers that I had. I had a great third grade teacher, Mr. Gorsch, who kind of revolutionized my whole perception of adults in general and also taught me about, um, a lot about, I, I think everyone in the, in his class about compassion and, sure. and supporting each other. And he was one of the first ones to, to encourage me. And that was like third grade. But then it was really fifth, fifth grade, and then when, when I was in high school, I had two teachers who really pushed me and encouraged me, and would ask, always ask to read whatever I was working on, and very cool. So yeah, I mean you can't because I I didn't really have that support at home. My parents didn't; they weren't really engaged in that kind of stuff, and tuned into it. So I but I, I feel very fortunate to have had that at school, and then I started writing little short stories and selling them at school, you know, for oh, a quarter cool. a piece. Yeah. And, and I started doing a lot of poetry and I was in bands and things and I would go to the copy shop in town and run off, you know, 20 copies of a little book of poems that I would make. So it's always kind of been a thing for me that led to me eventually working, writing for some newspapers in Illinois, being an a, assistant editor for some weekly newspapers Mm -hmm. And that led to some music magazines, which led to eventually on to Fangoria and then beyond from there. So it sounds like a
2: lot of lot of dues have been paid to get to be where you're at right now. It sounds
0: like, yeah. It, but it's this weird thing where you, if you're doing this, sounds so fucking cliche, but (laughs) 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 that's okay. If you (laughs) if you enjoy doing something, sure. It just you don't even realize. You don't really think about it, right? You don't, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's just like getting lost in a good movie or a good album. Like, and I'm still such an album guy. I, I I love the front to back experience of putting on someone's new release and just swim swimming in it for its duration because I don't physical media man. Physical media. Oh yeah, yeah, physical media, and having the lyrics in front of you, looking at the artwork. It's the complete package because they they created all these things and put them together for a reason just like in a movie all these different departments had to come together to present what it is to make up the be. movie and
2: yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's another another part of uh, a film that really doesn't get a lot of credit a lot of times is is the musical scores that are behind it a lot a oh, lot yeah. of movies have a soundtrack that'll pop out like you yeah, know not, the, the, nowadays the, it's mostly it music, a lot of, like lot of people, music yeah but, but the actual musical scores, the just the instrumentals, the the, the mood, mm-hmm. that made that they never get enough uh, enough uh, acknowledgement. No, you know, there's, yeah, al- there's usually only two. Forever.
1: There's usually only two that get most of it, and it's Danny Elfman and, uh, um, 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 shit, i just I just had it in my head, uh, Star Wars, um, that guy. Yeah, damn it.
2: Timmy. Why do I keep losing my thoughts, man? Because I'm getting
1: old. Well, that's the it's, problem. It's early
2: onset. That's the problem. That's the, that's
1: <laughs> uh, Williams. John Williams. John Williams is his name <laughs> from Star Wars. But, um, yeah, I find that they, they usually, you know, get all the accolades because, of course, I mean, they've been doing it for 100 million years, and they're really freaking good at it.
2: Um, um, some, some of the best scores, though, aren't a lot of times the most, you know, they're... <sighs> I've I've seen some really good movies that have had really bad scores. Yeah, but uh, and I've seen some really awful mo- movies that I would just rather listen to the the background.
0: Yeah, same here. You know, and yeah, it's, I've it's, been a, it's fun. I've been a score junkie since I was a kid, and I and I'm collecting. I can't. I'm going to mispronounce this, but <laughs> Verace Serabande that label okay. that forever was really. I'm sure they're still around, but they were. They seem to be the the biggest name when I was younger, at least of releasing all these. So you would get all the John Carpenter CDs, you would get all the whatever. And I would, I I was constantly hunting for them at all the record stores. And I fell in love with the music. And there are, there are some movies that I haven't even seen, but I know the score front to back. There uh, are some composers. Yeah. Like uh, Clint Manziel. uh, He, he has scored a bunch of great stuff, but one of, one of them's called the house. Some, horror movie i don't know but you've i've got, been addicted wait. to the score for like a year and i've never seen the movie anymore. you've never seen is house
2: this, is it is it the house or is it the house the animated one
0: it's it's i think it's called the house is and it, it's a live it looks like it's a live action film
1: is it okay is the cover a hand with a key no is... not
0: house no no, no oh, not, okay not old school house this is something new that's what i'm thinking
1: i was like man you've never seen that
0: movie Just, oh, that's such yeah.
1: a that's another good one man uh, yeah yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, the scores. I mean, the, the music is so crucial, and 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 there are like John Carpenter is a great example of this. Where sure. John, yes, part of the the John Carpenter, uh, I get what would you say vibe or aesthetic to his films is the fact that his voice is not just heard, or commu- shared through the dialogue and the scenes, but he's scored most everything that he's done. Yeah. and and now he
2: tells the story. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And, and he's one who has escaped his music has escaped the confines of the screen and he does tours. Well, he has, I think maybe two twice now he's gone on tour where it's him and his son and their band and they're playing these you know cues from his movies live. And he's a rock star. And I saw him do it in Chicago the, on his first tour, I think maybe 2016 or something. And it was just amazing. The room was packed wall to wall everyone in there it was as though you could you would have thought Elvis was in the building and then out walks John Carpenter and he just and he like waves and he's doing his kind of grandpa dance up there as he's rocking out on the keyboard and it's like this is fucking surreal it was so amazing to see him have that because yeah he's a you know he's someone who's had a great resurgence of all of his work and I think he's you know and and Shout Factory I think has been an An instrumental part of that in the last ten years here, with a constant stream of releasing his movies, and to see his music really get the nod that it deserves, because this whole synthwave thing, which I love synthwave music, Mm -hmm. he he's the godfather of all that. He gave birth to that whole thing. Uh It's nice. It's nice while he's alive that he's being acknowledged for for not just his film but also his music, because he was a musician first. Yeah, for his accomplishments, we'll always have that close to heart.
2: Yeah, you know. it's, it's really cool because uh, you being uh, such a fan of the scores and stuff is that my my cousin got me involved with that. I've always been into music and I've, I've been part of music and lived music and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when I was a little kid, he would be working on movie sets and he would uh, he would send me uh, cassette tapes of uh, the orchestras warming up and then playing the songs in the studio You mm. know, to be to and it was everything from. Wow. Uh, uh, just, uh, I mean, just so many. I have so many cassette tapes of just his stuff, just that he would send. And then you'd—it's so cool because then you'd get like some of the commentary in the background that you probably shouldn't hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. You know, uh, just just the fun stuff echoing in the hallways. What the, the fuck drink. are you it's doing? Like, yeah. It was like, yeah. what what was wrong with that? Uh, oh, you popped the string. Okay, and then you'd hear the actor come in, and they're gonna do some some stuff over that. Everything from like. Uh, like uh, I know, it was Wayne's favorite movie, the Ewok movie. Oh um, yeah, I love that. F-
1: blah, blah, or the blah, musical whatever.
2: score from uh, uh, there was a, there was a movie he used to do a lot with, uh, uh, starting from Hanna Barbera to Disney to uh, yeah. Pixar and stuff like cool. that. But like uh, Babe, the Secret of the Lost Legend, or the yeah, Secret of the Mim and stuff movie. like yeah, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. All that. But those movies back then, there was a lot of symphony. It was a lot of background scoring going on, mm-hmm. and he would send me those tapes. And ever since then, I've just been a sucker for you, finding a movie. You a really need to uh, get those
1: digitalized, man. I
2: do. I really. You really do. need to so you don't you don't lose them
1: <laughs> because that's that's part of movie history. You know, I mean, really, yeah, yeah. it really is. I mean, that's stuff that that can't be uh, replaced. Yeah and you know yeah, you're right. one you're day right. one day somebody will be like, Hey bro, <laughs> I got these tapes. You wanna buy them for like eight million dollars? Yeah <laughs> <all>
2: right <laughs> Sure. But uh it's 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 a really, really cool uh the, the everything with the with the the music and, and everything like that. And you
0: said you were in bands? Yeah, I, I was a drummer. Oh uh, all right. So I was in a number of different bands over the years and I was in drum and beagle core for a couple of summers and I attempted to sing for a band once it was more like nice. i've always described it as more like dry humping the mic stand and just kind of moaning hey that's good that's, that's good really too.
1: The- hey hey that's i've a- heard i've heard worse what kind of music was it what kind of music were you playing in like when you were playing drums for it and stuff uh
0: we, i did the there was a a jazz more like a jazz blues fusion trio that i was in for quite a while when nice. i was in high school and junior high oh, cool. and the band that i was singing for we did i don't know a little kind of like doorsy type stuff so cool. like moaning and humping kind of made sense yeah yeah moaning but, and humping um, the doors yep, <laughs> the other bands that i was drumming for there was kind of an uh, maybe like a stoner rock uh noise band was one of them i did i don't know it was kind of all over the map nice but,
1: well no dude that's yeah.
2: good that's good well, man. you get your experience in a probably bunch of stuff a good outlet maybe to, did you were you able to take any of those poems and things you had written before and set them to music at yeah, that convert time them. Or...
0: yeah that was part of that honestly is what led to me even singing for the band is because i had been writing stuff and we wanted to put something together and we were like well what do we do about them? <laughs> we don't have anyone to sing and i'm like well i have I have what could be lyrics, and I'm like, all right, let's. <laughs> how about you're the singer? And I'm like, okay, right, let's I'll try g- that.
1: I'll give it a try. Fuck it, let's go. <laughs> right, whatever, they get the girl. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that band is really. Now that I think about it, though, that's where I learned a lot about how to maneuver within the world of uh, business and promotion. And even though I was nice. in junior high, I was contacting the planners for an outdoor music festival or something in the area trying to get us on the bill i was having the flyers made and getting t-shirts printed and so that was really in terms of responsibility as a teenager that was my first i guess steps into that world that that in a way prepared me to be able to have 50 plates spinning now yeah, yeah do,
1: sure. or... trust me i know what you mean
0: yeah <laughs> me and justin yeah. both
1: have been in bands uh on and off our whole lives so yeah i completely understand and i i do booking for a a, a company out here uh, a venue out here so i mm. you know i book their shows all the time so yeah it's oh, it's, it's a pain in the ass but you know hey yeah. it, it's you know like you said you got uh, all the plates spinning at one time. You got to make sure they stay spinning or, you know, a whole bunch of crap happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what kind of music were you guys playing?
1: I was mostly a metal guy. I did, I did a lot of, uh, the um, like, uh, hardcore stuff, too. Yeah. Um, but that was mo- I did, mostly.
2: Uh, I did a lot of everything from regular rock, classic rock. Uh, uh, weirdly enough, I did uh, uh, opera for a while. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's how actually nice. I started was opera, and uh, I did that, and then I moved and just moved right through it. You know, yeah. it's kind of bizarre, but musical tastes were
0: everywhere. Yeah, so. I mean, and, same. And what instruments for you guys? I was a singer, uh,
2: vocal. Yeah, I was vocals and bass. Yeah,
0: yeah all um, I
1: ever did was sing. I I dabbled in guitar and dabbled in you know bass. I never fucked with drums because I am not coordinated. I can. I, I mean, I, I can kind of
2: hit. I drummed in high school. I was I was in the and I played the quads. Nice. In oh marching okay. band. Marching band, so, yeah. Yeah. And then I, I became an amazing bongo player according to myself. <laughs> I can do the and, bongos, uh, I think. I just don't have I don't have I don't have the coordination to keep to do
1: feet and hands. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I can sure. I can do my hands, no problem. Yeah.
2: Yeah, if he's walking, never ask him
1: yeah. to shake his hand. Yeah, don't shake my I'll hand. I'll fall flat on my face. <laughs> take everybody
0: with me. Like a turtle on its back. Yeah, exactly. Or, the kid, or was it the kid from I the uh, Christmas story? About, um, you know, we talk about not being able to be coordinated. Like I, I, I'm I, obsessed with great guitarists, and I always loved yeah. guys. I mean, in a, in a bunch of different – you name the genre. I've always loved great guitar, but I just can't do it. I've tried it, and I've – I I just my fingers don't work that way, but my hands and my feet, you know, I can be pretty ambidextrous with all that with the drum kit. But for whatever reason, as much as I wanted to, and I still want to, because I, I, I'm I'm a tone junkie. I'm kind of a tone nerd when it comes to guitar, so I know what sounds good and I know how to get it. Because I worked in music retail for a number of years before I got full-fledged in entertainment stuff. So I was selling drums and guitars and dealing with you know a lot of great musicians in a number of different places and you learn from that right just like you have it. you book these gigs you're seeing the gear come in and out you're seeing the pedal boards and you're it doesn't take long to figure out what the good equipment is and what the shitty stuff is i love all that and i wanted. i've always wanted to play guitar as as much as i've tried i just can't do it i sit down and i I, it's like driving with my eyes closed it's horrible (laughs) i mean i can play a few
1: you know a few things on guitar i can't like you know like like you said watching those guys that are like like when i was playing in bands and i watched my two guitar players go hey can you do this i'm like what the (laughs) fuck
2: (laughs) i have a i have a friend of mine who's uh he calls himself a guitar artist Mm. and uh what he does is he's he's a very he's kind of an intimidating dude He's, he's he's like six foot two he's got really long hair uh, and then it's dyed usually multiple colors. And he stands there, And usually he doesn't have a shirt on, and he has like a canvas, and he'll go over and he'll he'll throw paint, he'll 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 get his guitar and he'll use the pedal board and create this massive chord and mm-hmm. just let it resonate with different effects. And he goes and throws paint on something, sets something on fire. People <laughs> scream, it's amazing and give him money. I'm like, how do you do this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey man it sounds like something we could do man come and, on and he
2: gets he gets booked everywhere i'm like dude this is crazy it's like oh that's wild just, i just like to i like to be in touch with my art i'm like you just don't be, you're an idiot i remember when you used to like get beat up and thrown in the locker shut up yeah what are you doing now
0: <laughs> it makes uh-huh. sense that intersection makes sense though when you think about that the, the whole i mean all sides of art very few people who create just create just one thing right i, I remember I went and saw Kiss on this. I, I One of the things I do is I write for the band Kiss for their tour books and stuff like that. And I went and saw him on this last tour. Wow, that's tour fucking cool. And they had um, they had a painter opening for them. Because, you know, Paul, if you if you follow Kiss, Paul is mm-hmm. big into art. Like, his life has been art for a long time. And so they had this guy. I can't – and for the life of me, I can't remember his name. There was no opening band. It was just like half an hour set or 45 minutes with this guy doing this amazing painting with no brushes he's just using his hands wow so he wow. he massive canvas up there and there's music playing in the background and it's all like classic rock stuff stuff you know like sure. zeppelin and whatever else and that somehow ties to the painting but you don't really know it to the end and he paints everything upside down so you oh. so everyone's straining to figure out what is this going to be who is this and it's so hard to identify but he's jumping up and like slapping the canvas and just putting his hand in the paint Thing and was like spraying it across the front, doing these quick lines with his hands. It was the most remarkable thing, and it was so. It was just the. It was like a rock and roll experience that would be so not obvious, right. To have and and also the perfect way because how? Do, if this is Kiss's farewell tour, how right. does a band that has done as much as they have and has influenced as many? It would be like like Led Zeppelin on a final tour. Can yeah. you even? Is there an appropriate opening act for that? I don't no. think there would be. No. So
2: it's it, it has to be something different. It has to be yeah. something that the the fans haven't already seen.
0: Right. And then what they and, did at the end of it. So he did. I, I think he did one of Joan Jett. He did one of Jimmy Page. And then what, what they do is they donate these ma- and this guy's well known, obviously not well enough for me to remember, but I don't know a lot of <laughs> painters right now. But but then they so they take these to local charities in whatever town they're playing in and, and then they give them to auction off. Oh and nice. they so all the money goes to these charities. Dude, that's super which I thought cool. was a cool thing. Yeah. I, wow.
1: You know, it gives me more respect for KISS because I you know, everybody knows my stance on KISS.
2: I just found out what you could do next. Since you since you you've got your hands in so many pies, you need to write something, one of your poems, something massive on a canvas, and then sign it, and then there you go. I mean, I think you could do that.
1: Yeah, there you <laughs> go, dude. More stuff to and, sell. And then
2: we can auction it for you. Be yeah,
1: we'll do it for you right here, for your for your f- most favorite charity.
0: Actually, my one of my so I take it you're not a fan of Kiss, right? You hate Kiss. Oh, no, I, I like Kiss.
1: I don't Okay, this is this is my thing behind Kiss, okay? I don't hate mm-hmm. Kiss. I respect Kiss for what they did and what they they are groundbreakers. They fucking paved the way for a lot of bands. Yeah. Um but when people say that they're the greatest musicians in the world, I want to oh, punch wow. them in the face because they're terrible. Like well, I don't I don't mean like as in like they're terrible for what they did. They wrote great, catchy songs, but they're not like. I mean, dude, there's there's dudes that are
0: in, in local We're, bands it, that can wait, blow these dudes did away.
2: split on this? You know, bit, so. <laughs> you know, I would
0: I would tell you that Paul or Gene, I mean, any of the guys in any of the lineups, maybe shorter Peter Chris, would agree with the fact that they're not great musicians. Yeah, they, they I mean, they they never have claimed to be, and that's one right. of the things that's admirable about them because with a band like that. And this happens with movies, too. In some ways, the legacy grows larger than what than, than they the, are, the actual thing. The legacy outshadows the entity at a certain point. And sure. for Kiss, that happened pretty early on because the mythology around them started to spread and it was so easy to market because they're so instantly identifiable. I mean they were just brilliant accidentally brilliant in how they created the structure of this band. Dude, their
1: their marketing is just incredible. Like that that was if if it wasn't for KISS, I guarantee you we wouldn't have the marketing in music that we do. And 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 that's
0: without a doubt.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is like I respect those guys so much for that. They built Mm They're they built their image out of shit. You know, it was they, nothing. They
2: built they built their empire on an image. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it is, and it, and yeah. they did it they did it very well. They are great showmen, very yes. great showmen, very good. Mm-hmm. And they came Which... out in a time that that the world was right at the cusp of of needing something to be uh, irate about, and yes. they needed a, a definition of change in the industry. And all of a right. sudden, this band came out it got the right people angry enough to get them a right amount of attention to make the right amount of kids go, I want to rebel. And we're going to go, what's kiss? And that started the whole thing.
0: Yeah. A lot of that, the the roots go back to, uh, to Alice Cooper who was Mm -hmm. ruffling feathers for, for many years prior to them. But yeah, I mean like kiss came and they just arrived at the right moment where people were burned out in folk music and they were, there, there was revolution happening in some ways in music, and they've always received such heavy criticism for for what they do. But they're 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 a pop band. They, yeah, they play 100%. pop, like heavy pop is, is really what it is. It's song. And I, I remember as a kid being confused the first time I heard them because I knew what they looked like, of course. <laughs> right. And right. then I hear it, and I'm like, oh my god, these guys like fire and blood and all this. And then I hear them, they're just singing about getting laid. Yeah, yeah, and yeah like, exactly. Like, <laughs> and it, it's the even God more. Thunder it, just wants to get laid. Yeah, and it's I even more understand. creepy
1: now because they're like in their 70s or 60s and 70s and they're singing about 16 year old girls. That's Well, a- they don't do
0: Christine 16 anymore. <laughs> they don't? They <laughs> stop? They, they finally stop no, doing it? Oh, okay. They stopped doing that a long time ago. Okay, because
1: my boss yeah. brought that up to me. He goes, Yeah, you know, last time I saw him in concert, I think he was like, I don't know how old they were. And he was like, Yeah, they were still singing that song. I was like, Yeah, that's kind of creepy. He goes, Yeah, it is. <laughs>
0: well but that's also in a way like singing to your audience and to yeah. speak to alice cooper he alice cooper does similar things even on recent albums where he sings about um like he takes because he assumes the character in some of his songs right. sometimes he's singing about being a girl i think it was maybe uh, welcome to my nightmare two, one of his recent albums i think where so he a song about about being a teenage girl and how shitty it is but so he's you know, it's the voice of your of your audience, and that's what he, Kiss was doing.
2: Alice Cooper was one of my all time heroes. Oh, you know, yeah. oh yeah, dude. Loved yeah. Alice Cooper. I loved his. I love his legacy. The uh, the 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 things he's done, and and the uh, the idea of he is such a nice guy. Yeah, he is. He really is. Generally, was, just a nice person.
1: Oh, I I lost my opportunity. Uh, he, he was coming to. Uh, uh, Texas Frightmare this year and we, mm. we were going to go meet him and, and of course everything's fucking canceled now but you know I don't I don't know if he's still going or he will be yeah, he's rescheduling <clears> you
0: know. everything yeah, he's such he, a hard everything I mean,
1: I, great things about him. No, I'm sorry, sorry.
0: good yeah he um man same thing when I was growing up and just a, a lifelong fan of his and I got I interviewed him the first time that I met him was the when we met i guess i should say was for prince of darkness the blu-ray uh, nice. of the carpenter film prince nice. of darkness and i interviewed him for that and we hit it off really well and somehow a picture from that is on imdb i don't know
1: i did where. see that I, yeah, you know what i, I did see that because i was looking up your id imdb and i was like ah he's with alice cooper in this picture yeah it's such oh. a
0: weird collective of odd random images on there but anyway we hit it off really well and then I did a big piece for him that ended up getting the cover for Fangoria uh, maybe a year or two later, year after that or something, and which was a career – it's like the Crispin thing. It was a really long interview that mm-hmm. ran through his whole career and got into – because he's done film work. He did like Monster Dog and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so we've remained in touch. And when he comes through anywhere around, then – my, I'll take my son and we'll go see him after the show. And my, so, and so he, he's such a sweet dude. He's that's just very really cool. just an amazing human being. And that sets such a good precedent for, for others. So the people who look up to him, like the rockers who like Rob zombie, for example, looks up to yeah. him and Rob has that same kind of approach where he's so grounded mm-hmm. and he's so um, he's, he, he's, he's very open in interviews about things and he's also he gives people his time he gives of himself when he invests in something So That's very
1: cool. That's very yeah, cool.
0: Iconic, I think that's iconic
2: things with Alice to me the three things that are super iconic with him is uh, me gro- growing up watching him on the Muppets yeah yeah, 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 yeah um, uh, the funniest thing I've seen him do really was uh, when he did the uh, Bigfoot sci-fi movie uh, oh, yeah, for that?
0: for The Asylum. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with that movie. I have not
2: seen that movie.
1: I have not seen it. Great. I need to see it.
0: Dude, you have to get it. And the Blu-ray is always like five bucks on Amazon. Really? You okay, have to I, see it. Have, Alice, it. it is – and it also has a, the guy from the Partridge family and a guy from yeah. Brady Bunch. L- no way. It. Yep. And Yeah, just add that up. And so Alice is playing this festival. And it's the jankiest. You, I mean, talk about a movie wearing its budget on its sleeve. As if the the Bigfoot creature didn't anyway. They, <laughs> yeah, they, they have awesome. this quote unquote music festival that's on one of these junior high chorus platforms, kind of a thing. Yeah. Like this is not a stage. This is, and here's it Alex looks Cooper. Like, it looks like summer camp. Oh, it really does. And then the kids that they hired to be his band clearly had never held instruments. (laughs) And they just, they like maybe spiked up their hair and maybe like rolled up their sleeves on their shirts or something. And all that Alice serves, the whole point, he comes as the headliner for this festival. All to have a moment where this Bigfoot comes stomping through. And the Bigfoot in this movie is absolutely, it's like 20 feet tall. It's massive. So it's a big, Bigfoot. It's a big, (laughs) Bigfoot. And it just comes up to Alice. he's, He's on stage. And the Bigfoot walks up and just kicks him, like it's like puts him like a football.
1: Yeah. Oh come on.
0: And, and, and he's and he's like ah oh, as it's coming down, he gets yeah it's sort of flying, squashed like, and kicked. It's like flying through the air. It was hysterical. I loved that movie. It's, oh man, it's, it's amazing. It's seven
1: dollars yeah. right now. I'm, it's in my cart.
0: Buy it, <laughs> buy it. blind buy, Guaranteed and satisfaction. Done,
2: done. The other thing is uh, his when he talks about being in the Hollywood Vampires. There was an interview I saw him do. Mm-hmm. um uh back in the days with the rainbow room and uh yeah. they put on a um uh they that was alice's idea to start since they were there's i can't remember there was it a guy in the monkeys uh, a couple of the guys in the beatles anyway they decided they were going to start a softball team and they had this, <laughs> it was alex or alice came up with the design for the shirts and they go out and they were uh doing this thing in the uh in the uh, early 70s and 80s and you know, doing these celebrity softball tournaments. Oh, sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just I loved listening to that whole interview. But such an amazing guy. I met him one time uh, at an airport and we uh-huh. sat there and uh, I didn't bug him. I was just he just I looked up and it, when you when you see him without his character persona, you, you could a lot of times people would just walk by. Yeah, right. You know, right, Because right. He, he was actually going golfing. He was going somewhere yeah. golfing when I saw sure. him. And he was he was in his polo and his ugly golfer pants and and everything. And he's sitting there and I look over. I'm going, there's only one person I know with a face profile like that. (laughs) (laughs) That nose you can't
0: mistake that nose
2: That's it. And I remember uh, I remember on one some interview that I saw um, him. He was talking about some of his favorite drinks. He liked to drink on that weren't alcoholic when he would be on tour. One of his favorite things at one time was Orange Julius. Oh, oh yeah so those are great so i so i walked past him and i said excuse me uh i'm gonna be heading up i'm gonna go get myself a julius do you want one and that's how i introduced myself to him and he was like you that's clever yeah that's amazing. so he gave me <laughs> oh, 20 great. bucks and i got us two juliuses and i came back and sat in the airport and talked to him for about an hour and a half it was
0: great oh that's awesome super nice that's so cool yeah you have you seen monster dog I have not seen monster dog. No. Oh my God. Okay. So here's the deal on monster dog and cut me off if I'm getting too long winded on these. No, don't no you're but good, man. He, Alice had a big, Alice's life has been absolutely fascinating and he, you know, he almost died when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's why his back is, I mean, his, he, he's had a rough run of it, but then he had, I mean, his substance abuse is, is famous. Sure. Back in the 60s. And in in this article that I did, he was relating stories of hanging out with Jim Morrison and rolling down the hill. And it's just crazy shit. So he's been through a lot, but he really fell into the deepest throes of addiction. And he was on mostly alcohol was the problem, but there were some other things in play, too. He decided that he needed to detox at a certain point or got talked into detox at a certain point because he came. and, And that was the point where because up until that point he had always separated alice from vincent he saw alice as almost like a second personality that only would take over when he was on stage and so and the way he talks about it to this day the time when he was drinking all of his early days in music and stuff is as though that was a separate person it's really interesting because that he won't remember certain things or alice made this decision That kind of thing, and and so he need. This was the point when he decided on sobriety, where they sort of were the first point where they came together. But what he and his agent, his manager, who's been his shep been his manager forever, agreed upon was that he needed some kind of safe proving ground without being on the road because the road came with old habits. It would be easier if he was touring, you know, to fall back into this hole. They needed some way for him to get back be relied upon, be hired for something and be able to show up and do his job every day in entertainment and prove to himself more than anything else that he could make this work. And they got offered this movie because he's a lifelong horror movie fan, junkie for all this stuff. And so, and he loves bad movies, obviously that's why he wanted to be in that Bigfoot movie, which we (laughs) talked about in that article too. But he, he, so they got offered this Italian movie and it's it's this film Monster Dog Claudio Fragasso is the director who made Troll 2 if you have seen yeah. Troll yes. 2. yeah yeah oh. same guy so it's a, a a werewolf movie essentially and so he's like yeah and they, and they were shooting i don't know Romania or something like that in this castle but the only reason the two reasons he took it primarily outside of just being a monster fan movie fan was that he needed to prove this. And so he did it through the making of this movie under crazy circumstances where no one spoke English and (laughs) he was in the middle of fucking nowhere. He was able to get up every day, get to make up, get on set, remember his lines, and go to bed at the end of the night without succumbing to any kind of temptation. And that was his first step into sobriety that has lasted the rest of his life. Wow, that's funny. And it began cool. with this movie Monster Dog. And what it is is this ridiculously sh- awesome and shitty movie that is now on Blu-ray from Kino Lorber. I didn't have anything to do with it. I wish I would have. But I can't recommend it highly enough because the transfer looks good. And as fans of Alice's music, that he... He plays a singer in a band in the movie who's going to this country villa oh. to to like do this music thing, music video. I thing.
2: remember the movie. I just never saw it. Now I feel bad. I never saw it.
0: Well, you got to pick this disc up because yeah, it's great for, sure. for him. So on two fronts. First of all, there's these weird songs in it. They had to make some new songs for the soundtrack, okay. and. And the music videos are in the movie so it's because he's going there to shoot these music videos so you get these new weird sort of not really bound to any era of alice alice songs that are in it with the music videos plus to his amusement he said the best part was the first time i saw the movie i realized that they had dubbed everybody's voices the entire time (laughs) And, and when you hear his voice the guy who does his voice in the movie is you couldn't be <laughs> and so strangest thing to be watching and he's like well i don't know maybe we should go inside
1: oh, and, you know,
0: it's like, Alice's face saying it it's so strange man it's so strange <laughs> monster dog monster dog and bigfoot here's the lesson I'm, I'm selling hard sell on these two movies you need to pick up
2: we're doing it i've uh, yeah, got I'm... one i've got the other yeah
1: i definitely i'm, I'm definitely picking up the bigfoot one asap um I, I love nice. yeah for sure i, I gotta get a <laughs> oh,
0: copy one of it more that he's oh, yeah. in. one more that he's in that i want to recommend because it's really good guy made it there's a film called suck s-u-c-k Saw and it. it's a vampire I mean, it... you, you okay okay then i will say no more but how, how awesome is alice in that and alice's daughter's in it too she's working yes. bar yes
2: that is uh, <laughs> but most... he plays the devil he, he does and it is a very bizarre type of vampire movie
0: yes Great, it, it, good songs though, and the animation songs. sequences and stuff. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if anybody wants had... to
1: watch that movie, you can watch it on Amazon Prime for a dollar.
0: Oh, really? You can well, That's it? one, honestly, that would be a good, wouldn't that be a good double bill with Idle Hands? Yeah. It would be. You, yeah, that would be awesome. Right. So you can rent it for a dollar.
2: Blu ray, Idle Hands, and go see and get Suck. Yeah, I
1: definitely need to get a copy yeah. of that, uh, that, that Idle Hands. <laughs>
0: Suck also has what, it has uh, Iggy Pop in it, yep. it has Henry Iggy Rollins, Pop. it has, um, what's his name, the the uh, bassist, or the uh, guitarist for Rush, Alex, whatever his uh, name uh,
2: is. Yeah, it's, it's like a who's who of, of musicians of music. in this whole
0: yeah. movie. Yeah, he plays a it's border like... agent who's just, <laughs> it's so funny. That movie's, a little... God, I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but what a blast. Uh, it's Ma- always... Malcolm McDowell's in it. Yeah, Malcolm yeah.
2: is in it. Yeah, I, yep. I love movies that have so many cameos. There's it's more cameos than than lead actors.
1: Dave Foley. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: that's, a fun that's one, so yeah. fun one. Uh, yeah, this is this has been uh, a fun interview. <laughs> yeah, it yes, really, under- really has yeah, been
1: a blast, man.
2: Very, very informative. Very fun. Um, but I tell you
1: what man, like before we jump off here, tell everybody how to find you on your podcast and 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 the, the how to get those movies, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, I pretty much uh, well, my my website is justinbeam.com. That's B E A H M for the last name, and I try to keep it updated pretty well. Still something of a work in progress, but I'm on I'm on all the social media just under my name as well and so you can find me through those and the movies, all these releases, I have a somewhat complete list on my site. If you go there, I think it says past releases and it says who the company was who put them out, but everything is available on Amazon or wherever. I mean, from, uh, there are a couple of them that might be out of print. I know town that dreaded sundown just went out of print actually like last week, but everything else should still be available. Um, so, yeah, go if uh, Amazon or wherever you order your discs from, you can find all those. And following Shop Factory, uh, Paramount, we have a new series called Paramount Presents that just started rolling out where we're nice. getting catalog titles and re releasing them with beautiful new packaging and some new features. And so that's underway. The first three films were. Um, It was King Creole, my favorite Elvis movie. Nice. And uh, Fatal Attraction and To Catch a Thief were the first three for that series. But there's going to be a lot, and it really is like all over the map when it comes to genre. And in terms of upcoming stuff, Idle Hands just came out in two weeks. Escape from L.A. comes out, which I produced, and also The Deer Hunter. Wow. Which which is our first 4K release for for Shout Factory those wow. those come out in two weeks and you can pre-order those now
1: two very incredible movies
0: yeah yeah pretty wild stuff i mean just kind of all over the map but yeah in a recent one recent one that i'll mention since you guys are music fans i did the we did monster go home the old monsters yeah movie, the one yeah. movie they made and it we also put on the disc um Revenge of the, or Monsters' Revenge, which was a TV movie that came out later, Mm -hmm. but for it, we didn't really plan to do a whole lot for it initially, well, they didn't, they being Shout, but when they came to me with it, there was only, they said, hey, we're doing, and we're doing this Monsters' thing, and I said, oh, is there budget for those, for that, and they're like, well, we aren't really, we're not putting, I mean, we're putting both movies on it, so that's kind of the special feature, and I said, well, what if, what if I could bring one thing in for a commentary? And they're like, yeah, let us know what you find. And so I immediately got Rob Zombie. And I talked to Rob, and who's like a massive Munsters fan, needless to say. And so sure. I brought – so he was super pumped. And then I got Butch Patrick.
1: Wow. And
0: so the, the commentary on the Munster Go Home disc, which just came out maybe three weeks ago, is me, Butch, and Rob – Just Rob and I really just geeking out on Butch being there. That's so fucking cool, dude. It's like us as horror nerds. And then, and and Rob's totally that way. Like, you know, it's always just geek time on horror movies and stuff when you talk. Yeah. And this was just, it was just that same thing. And, but with Butch Patrick in the room. So that just came out a few weeks ago and is available now too.
1: Nice, man. Yeah. Well, definitely. I'm definitely going to pick up a few of those for sure. Uh, cause you know, like I said, told you to in the beginning, Idle Hands, man. One of my favorite movies. I need to get that one for sure. Heck yeah. Um, but dude, I, thank you so much for doing the show, man. It was a blast having you on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if you ever want to touch base again, just hit me up and That's... let me know when you have a vacancy and I'll be happy to hop back on.
1: Yeah. So I was about to definitely. say, we definitely want you back on, man. Cause it was, it was so much fun. So yeah, man, like, like I said, thank you again. And we will definitely be contact you with another date to have you back on man because it was a blast having you on here
0: it
2: was it was such a pleasure
1: yeah
0: yeah likewise guys thanks again for for thinking of me and reaching out and like i said hit me up anytime to come back awesome
1: well all right boys and girls i was your host wayne i'm the rum guy and remember ladies and gentlemen boys and girls to keep it
2: keep it it middle Adieu, adieu, parting with such sweet sorrow. Go ahead and run. Run home and cry the mama. Get the fuck out. Okay then. That's it.